0: Are you new to investing, wondering whether or not you can self-manage your properties? Let us tell you about Rent Ready. Rent RentReady is a really awesome property management software that can help you grow and handle every aspect of your real estate business. Rent collection, tenant screening, maintenance, lease signing, listing. Honestly, it has everything.
1: Yeah. How long do you think we've been using Rent Ready for ourselves? About five months. Yeah. About five months. It's been awesome. We do use their push notification system to send notifications to tenants. We collect rent- From our tenants right through the app and we're actually about to use their new feature their 24 7 maintenance software called latchel and a latchel will allow you to remove yourself as the landlord as the middleman between your tenants and maintenance calls so the tenants can directly call a maintenance line and they will dispatch contractors right to the property
0: we should also mention that rent ready is unlimited all their plans are flat price this essentially means you can keep adding properties to your portfolio without having to pay more. You can close on all the properties you want, and Rent Ready's price stays the same. The best part is Rent Ready's given us an amazing deal to pass on to our weekly Juice listeners. You guys, everyone listening, can get 50% off a Rent Ready plan at rentready.com when you use our code JuicePod. That's R-E-N-T R-E-D-I.com with code JuicePod. J-U-I-C-E-P-O-D at rentready.com and you can get 50% off any plan. If this is your first time here, welcome. During our shows, we interview successful entrepreneurs and investors to spread knowledge, advice, and actionable tactics to help others in the pursuit of financial freedom. We discuss successes, failures, systems, motivations, experiences, and key lessons learned along the way in the hopes that these stories help you along your journey. Tune in every Wednesday to get your weekly juice. If you've been here before and like what you've been hearing, please subscribe, share with friends, rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That goes an extremely long way for us. It's simple. Just click on your podcast app, type in our podcast name, The Weekly Juice, click on the reviews and let us know what you think. The more ratings we get, the more eyes we'll get on our show. And in turn, we'll be able to provide you all with high quality guests. You can also find us on Instagram at Weekly Juice Pod, for daily content and personal finance tips to assist in your journey towards financial freedom. Welcome back to the Weekly Juice. As always, Ryan and Corey here with another episode for you. Today, we have on two very special people, Ali and Josh Lupo. They are a married couple living in upstate New York on the pursuit of financial independence in their 30s. They have an incredible journey of paying off debt, investing in real estate and
1: index funds, and have an incredible 70% savings rate. These are known as the Phi Couple on, on Instagram. They have like skyrocketed their following they started a page like five months ago they're at like ten thousand followers and they just consistently provide value like they and they have a ton of knowledge they, like they, every nugget boom 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 throughout the whole episode they were just hitting us with it good people they know their stuff they
0: they talk about their background and, and not coming from much into establishing establishing themselves inside of the community building up their own community but then also Being able to tackle debt head on, start making investments just by trimming out things in life that may not seem cool to other people. Um, I think a lot of young people should should take take note on this episode. And and there's a lot of tactics that you can write down and and
1: start implementing in your life just because we've they've seen such great success in only two to three years. Absolutely. And. Not to mention that they they don't come from they're not sitting there saying, Well, we both are six figure earners, and you know, where a lot of people think, well, oh, that makes it a lot easier for you to save a lot of money. They both have modest jobs. They are like the American couple that is striving for fi and not and, and it's just it's a testament to their hard work. Tune in, the whole episode is great. They they drop a ton of knowledge on us, and I think there's some serious value to be taken away. So couldn't agree more. Let's bring them in. Cool. Josh and Ali,
0: officially welcome to The Weekly Juice. This has been a long time coming. It's it's exciting to officially meet you and uh, share your story with our listeners.
2: Yeah, we're super excited to be here today and to connect with you guys.
3: Yeah, big fans of the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Awesome. It's our
0: pleasure. Yeah, thank you. So if you could give everybody a background on yourselves, who you are, where you're from, and then how you dove in or how you found out about the financial independence community.
2: Yeah, so um, Josh and I are in upstate New York. Um, we met in 2011 in college. We went to SUNY Oneonta, which is a state school in New York. And, um, we were friends for a long time. And then we started dating. I went back to grad school. We got married. Um, and when we got married, we had a hundred thousand dollars in student loans. And prior to that, we weren't really talking about like real estate or investing or money a lot in general, um, but very quickly, the reality of our situation became clear. And I think from that moment, that was when those really important money talks started happening.
3: Yeah. Like we, we kind of knew we had debt, but we didn't really like to know the numbers of anything. Um, Allie was getting ready to graduate from a master's in 2017. And that's kind of when they started sending us like disclosures, like, Hey, just so you know, like this is the balance. And at that point I was starting to become aware of my balance and we we are starting to tally it up and we we're like, all right, well, that's a lot of money. Um, and we're both in human services, professionals, like Ali, Ali's a school social worker. I'm a career counselor for workers with disabilities. So like we knew we weren't going to be making huge sums of money. Um, but we were just excited to be both working full time. Um, and that's kind of when we were like, we don't know exactly how, but we definitely want to pay off those student loans quickly.
1: So it kind of struck you with the, the loan actually was the first thing you're like, and it's interesting that when people get a loan like that, or they, they see the number, they're like, I guess I have to pay this off. But for you to flip on the switch, like, no, I'm not just going to pay this off. Like I'm going to attack this thing. What was, what was it about that moment that made you say, we're not just going to pay this off over 10 years or 20 years. And like, you know, people normally do, we're going to really be aggressive with it.
2: Well, I think a switch was flipped, but also another piece of this story that we're omitting, but I know we've shared before the year of our wedding, Josh was laid off from like Mm -hmm. a very long-term employer. He was there for seven years and very quickly we were like, 2018 is our year. We're both finally both full-time working and then Josh gets laid off. And then like he got in a car accident and we totaled our car. And it was just like, in that moment from like that chaos, like it actually, that was the pivotal moment that was like, we're a hundred K in debt. We have a wedding in six months. He just got laid off. We just totaled our car that we had like, you know, financing on. Um,
3: Well, and to like go back to your point too, like what sparked us wanting to pay off debt? Like, we were already super burned out the year before our wedding. And we started having those conversations of like, well, what do we want our lives to look like as married couple? Right. And we were both working like 50, 60 hours a week. And we were like, well, like, is this our life this for the next? Th- yeah. This, this isn't it. And we, we kind of, that's kind of when we were like, well, there has to be a better way. So we stumbled into like personal finance. We found Dave Ramsey and I was like, Oh wow. Like there's these people that are living life differently. Like, it doesn't have to be this way and the, but the biggest barrier to us, like having something more like resembling what a life we want is these student loans. So it's kind of like, if we get rid of them, then like, we can have something better. Right.
1: Got it. So wait, what were some specific tactics that you, that you realized, okay, these are the things I need to do in order to pay off the debt and yeah. also to help design the life that you really wanted to live.
3: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, um, we knew pretty much right away, like our incomes were pretty much capped. Like we could, we were both salaried at the time. So like we could work more, but we probably weren't going to work more or make more. Um, we were both doing the side hustle thing, but we really didn't have the capacity to earn a whole lot more. So, and we were pretty burnt out, like doing the Dave Ramsey method and stuff. So we were kind of like, well, what else can we do that's going to give us? Cause ultimately it's not so much like just earn more, or spend less. It's like grow the gap. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, okay, well, we're doing everything we can on the, on the income front. What can we cut out? And kind of like fortuitous timing was like right around end of 2017, Scott Trench's book set for life came out. Great. And that, that's when I discovered the power of house hacking. And again, it was like, all right, like we were living in an apartment that was like a one bedroom, one bath for like $1,300 a month. And like back of the envelope math, I was like, well, we could buy a house and like live in one unit and like rent out the other. And we'd never been landlords or anything, but I was like, that would lower our housing payment by half. So if we did that, that's like a $7,000 pay raise. And I was like, well, that makes sense because we'd have to work really hard to make $7,000 more year per year after tax too. Right. So that's kind of when we were like, well, then we have to house hack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you start driving your, uh, did you ditch the car and start riding your bike to work?
3: Yeah. Scott, Scott suggested that's when I read the
0: book too. So did Corey. Yeah. And that it actually kind of sparked it for us as well. Or yeah. In, yeah, one, of the one of the stages. And I got to that point. I'm like, dude, I love my car. <laughs> I got to ride my bike to work an hour on the highway. How many yeah. things out? But it was just, it's funny, the concepts that go through it. And, um, clearly it, it made an impact on both of us. So.
3: Yeah, no, it was huge. And, and conveniently, like Allie had alluded to, I demolished my car. Um, so like, I didn't have to go through the hard decision of like, do I get rid of it? Do I not? Um, so yeah, so we, like at the end of 2017, we're like, 2018 is our year. We're going to house hack. We're getting married that year. It's going to be a dope year. January of 2018, I get fired. Um, our income instantly goes back down to like half. But at that time, we were like, I don't know how we're going to do it. We're still going to do everything. We're still going to get married. We're still going to buy the house act. Like point A is where we were. C is where we were going to be. B was like a really wild ride.
2: Yeah.
1: Great. It's cool. I think it's uh, it's all part of the journey. So but yeah. fast forward to now, you've built this platform and you're, you're at a, you, you put it on social media that you have a 70% savings rate. So you realize that your income was going to be capped at a certain point. And then you decided to play defense. Like we're going to have to, we're going to have to cut back, you know, maybe not forever, but the short-term sacrifices. So besides the house act, can you dive in maybe some of these numbers and how you created that 70% savings rate? I mean, that's, that's a lot.
2: (laughs) So I know, you know, with the house hack alone, we went from, as Josh alluded to, like $1,300 for our rent. Then we went to $600 and we had a tenant move and we raised rent and did some work. So then it's down to $300. Now we're in our second house hack and we're living for free, which is pretty cool. Um, so right there, like housing costs are covered from cash flow from property one and just all of that stuff. Um, in addition to that, as Josh said, he totaled his car, um, which was not so great but we ended up buying a used car cash so we have no car payments so we have no car payments um, no housing payments most of our food like we cook and we buy groceries we do still indulge in takeout and take out and fund stuff like mm-hmm. that um, but I think a lot of it is because we cut down on those three big expenses um, you know we're pretty intentional with our spending you know we're not like extravagant spendy people to begin with but i think cutting down on those three biggies um allowed us to really have that savings rate are there any technical pieces that i'm missing yeah. well <laughs> not,
3: not so much technical but like so like we went on the defense but what's a pretty cool like synergistic relationship is once you're once your operating costs go super low uh, opportunities kind of start presenting themselves. Whereas like, if you were walking that financial tightrope, you're like, I can't take a chance on this. Cause like, if it doesn't work out, we're in trouble because we grew such a wide gap. Um, and we were starting to really start save a lot of money every single month income generating opportunities really started to arise too. Like Ali was able to take a chance on a higher paying job and she got that. So that was like a steady increase. And then so like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm full-time self-employed, which was huge too, because again, once our operating costs, our cost of living went down so much, instead of having to take every single client, I was able to be a little bit more strategic and specifically go for things that I knew had the chance at generating higher income. And then they did. So, plus now we have more rental income. So like it started really slow at first. And originally it was just like, all right, let's just cut our expenses as low as we reasonably can find that point, And then we were like, okay, that's not so super sustainable, especially as like newlyweds spend a little bit more but then we really started to kind of go back to, you know, growing that income.
0: It's funny. I just want to like point this out where a lot of people might hear this and that, that maybe they're not super into the five movement yet. And they think like everyone that's frugal, I can't be that frugal. Like it's not cool to do that. What you guys are doing is actually the coolest thing you could potentially do. And it's it's, if you could actually, if you can have the self-discipline and the self-control to subsidize your housing costs, get rid of the car or get a car, but it doesn't have to be a flashy one. And then you cook at home rather than going out every night and you're safe. You're basically delaying gratification, as we said, but you're taking care of the three big pillars. It's absolutely incredible. And it's not as hard as it seems like it on paper. It's hard. You're like, Oh my God, I have to get rid of all these bills. But if you, if you work together as a team, um, I think it can take you to great heights and you're an example of it. It it hasn't been that long, right? Since this happened, it's been what, two, three years. And you're already at this, this crazy trajectory. So Um, I just think it's incredible. 70% savings rate is very, very high.
1: Yeah. And I want to talk about that 70% savings rate because to somebody who doesn't understand what that does for you and the mental headspace that it actually frees up for you. It's like, okay, that's great. I don't want to save 70% of my money. Like that's what a lot of people are saying. And you don't have to, by the way, you guys are doing it to the extreme because you have a goal. And that's what I want to talk about. Like, what does the 70% savings rate give you? When do you think you'll realistically... And we talk about index funds and stuff like that. We'll get to talk about that. But when does that realistically give you the optionality to to not have to work?
3: Yeah, so
2: oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say too like with that 70% savings rate and like what you said earlier like I love that in terms of like delayed gratification because I think we live in a society where it is instant gratification. If I want information, I'm going to grab my phone and I'm going to search it on the internet and I get it in a second. And we're like that with our spending and our purchases and everything cuz everything is so accessible and at our fingertips and we live in a society that's like yes, consume, take on more debt. It's so easy and I'll make it super easier for you. And they- to do. Um. They do, they do. And, and you see everyone around you doing it. So for me, more than Josh, it took such a mindset shift. You know, you have this idea of what your life is going to look like, the things that you're going to have. And then it's like, Oh wait, we're going to do this really different. We're still going to get the things we want, but we have to have that discipline first. Um, So for us, it was kind of just like getting in that headspace. but that 70% savings rate, right. It's going to afford us a very different life. I'm still, we're still going to get that single family house one day and yep. all of these things that matter to us um, but we're gonna do it on our terms as opposed to our debt leading the way us leading the way um, instead
3: yeah and it, it kind of gives us it gives us a level of confidence that like we've never had so like the power to save so much money every single month um, it just if we want to invest a very large chunk of money um, what used to take us you know, like a year and a half, maybe two years. Now we can like do it in like three months. So like if we needed to shift gears, which I mean, 2020 was like the prime example of that. um, We have a level of flexibility now where um, instead of being like beholden to like, Oh man, we need every single dollar or like, especially me being self-employed, I need every single contract. Last year I had a lot of uh, opportunities come my way that I could have done and I would have made some money off of, but I was like, that doesn't really align with what we're really looking to do in the next handful of years. So in a way, like it gives you the power to say no, um, which most people like, they just don't have that ability to.
0: You talked about, I can sense some passion around this, the financial independence movement. So I want to ask like why specifically you're so passionate about it. I know it's, it's freed up your time, but mm-hmm. it's also allowed you to do things that you want to do. We talked potentially investing in certain things. Like what is your why? Like, what do you guys both want out of this movement and, and life? And like, why are you grinding so hard right now to put this life together?
2: Yeah. I love that question. And I think, you know, when you look at us right now, like we're, if you picture like the success and like that hockey stick with that exponential growth, we're still very much at the base of that. Like we are still like, living in our house hack. We're driving really old used cars. Like we are not by conventional standards. If someone looked at us, they would not be like, wow, you guys are living this sexy life, you know? Um, but, but we know that we're working hard now. Um, for us it's time, right? There's so many different commodities in the world, but time you only get a finite amount of it. And for me, I'm like, this is the person that I chose that I'm obsessed with that I want to spend my time with. Right. I really am like, he's pretty cool. He's cool. He's cool. Right. So, so we want that time (laughs) with each other. We want to have kids one day, you know, our parents aren't getting younger. We want to be with family and friends. So for us, it's like, if we can put in hard work and that means I can take a longer maternity leave or we can go on a three month vacation and we don't have to worry about money or if someone's sick, we can take care of them and not have to stress it's really that time freedom for me. Like I think yeah. for both of us really.
3: Well, no, that's just it. And like like the year before our wedding, like we had a we were in a like we were like clashing a lot because our values weren't aligned and we neither one of us, maybe we both had whys, but our whys are going in different directions, but it's really, really hard when two people are pulling in opposite directions. So like we had real good conversations and then we got clarity about like what is it that we want really the most out of life? And it wasn't necessarily things. It was just like, we want more time together with the people that we love. Um, and like, we want to travel all over the world and not necessarily be beholden to like an employer saying like, no, you get
2: 13 vacation (laughs) days and that's it. So enjoy them. Yeah.
3: So again, it goes back to us being able to kind of like live our lives the way we designed it, as opposed to someone else saying like, this is how you have to live your life.
2: Right.
1: It's great. Let's get into a little bit of like how you, I want to talk about creating that income gap, right? The, yeah. the investing portion of it. But before we do that, is there a certain way that you ha- that you systematize or pr- maybe some sort of software or program that you use to organize the way you save and, and invest just so that somebody listening, that's like, you know, I want to do this, but I don't know how, like what's what's the way that you would suggest?
3: Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes is like, what gets measured gets managed. So I think for us, for a long time, head in the sand, we were just like, yeah, we're making enough money, but we weren't actually tracking it. Um, And whether it's like with your money or calories or, you know, like KPIs in a business kind of thing, like if you don't track those key metrics, like you're kind of flying blind. So um, we downloaded personal capital when we first started out, I should say too now, like, Right now it's kind of like intuitive. Like, I mean, I know what we spend, but like, we're pretty good. When
2: your cost of living is so low, (laughs) you don't have to be as analytical with it because the gap again is so wide and our money is kind of placed into where it needs to be in those buckets. But in the beginning, yeah, it was definitely downloading personal capital. We had like the bank app on our phone and it was literally like checking our spending, checking where it's going. Wow, we're spending a lot on this this month. Let's recalibrate um, finance date nights. You know, we'd order takeout and sit down and talk personal finance and go through our budget. And we do that with real estate too. We analyze properties together and just trying to like make these things um, more fun and doing it together. So we're on the same page. So that's been important.
3: Yeah. So I would just say like personal capital bank statements and then good old fashioned Excel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. And and by the way, I think that we, we should frame to people that like this is, per, you know, we always say personal finance is personal. I forget yeah. who says that. But like the thing is, is you don't have to save 70 percent. No. You can save. I would personally, we've talked to people that's like save 20% for sure. Like that mm-hmm. should be the minimum. But if you save 30, 35, 40% in that range, you're going to get to where you want to go. Yeah. And you can still live the type of life or close to, you know, the life that you want to live early on. So I think that you guys are going to be, I mean, you're, you're going to be able to retire in your mid to early 30, like early yeah. to mid thirties. And it's like pretty evident what you're doing, but it's all it the retirement is, it's not an age, it's a number. And that's what I think you guys have discovered. So to go off that, what is the, let's talk about your investing, so maybe start out with the index funds. If you could point out some of your strategies and what you do there and maybe how much of your income your or, or your savings you're actually deploying to it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one thing I wanted to go back to, so like Right now, yes, we are saving 70 to 75 percent of our income every single month. That is not at all like going to be forever. We are very much more excited.
2: You're so funny. I was literally thinking like 70 to 75 percent is crazy. Like that is not when you said it,
1: I was like, I don't know how you do it. It's like not a sustainable
2: rate, and we always say like it is a product of our circumstances. We were 100 K in the hole and like not making crazy salaries. So we were like, we need to make crazy changes. If we want a different life, if you didn't have that level of debt, if you had more money saved, we had no money saved and we had crazy debt and we didn't have good salaries. So it's like, well, guess we're going to have to get real creative. So like 70% 70% probably not forever. Yeah. Definitely not forever, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: I just, I don't want there to be like the perception, like, like we have no, we're not going to be like living in Like I van. don't think
2: everyone should have a 70% no. savings rate. Like I know. Being I, psychos I, right now. <laughs> I didn't mean
1: to pick on you. It's just like, no, when you're you're not. That, I'm like, I'm like these, but you're so serious about it. Yeah. It's like it, it, you're so serious about getting out of the debt and it's important yeah. to you. So yeah.
0: Before we jump into the index funds, I, I just want to touch on this. A, do you, are you how much debt do you have left on this hundred K or is it paid off? And then can you also touch on the strategy of paying down debt to and investing, like where you siphon off, how much each yeah. you deploy into either and then yeah. go into the investment. Yeah.
3: yeah. So right now we're sitting at about 42,000. So, uh, we, uh, we, and, student loans. and student loans. Yeah. So that's, that's our last bit. So we started, um, the D- December of 2018, we had 102, actually 102,000. So, uh, 2019, I think we knocked out like, so we bought our first house act in 2018, 2019. We were just like, cause again, like we bought real estate, not because we're like, oh, we want to buy, be real estate investors. We were just like, we want to live for cheap so that we can pay off our student loans. So 2019 was not like, it was like, let's actually learn real estate, but really like, let's just bang out student loans. So I think we, we paid off like 53,000 in 2019. um, And that got us right down to just right around 50 or so. Um, and then 2020, we like came out of the gates, ripping roaring and paying off debt. Um, and then everything shut down. So then we just started hoarding cash. Cause like, we weren't really sure like what was going to happen. Uh, and we just just kept saving and saving and saving. Um, and then we ended up saying like, you know what? Like interest rates are super low. Like, let's just buy another rental property. Um, so we bought another rental property at the end of 2019. Uh, got that stabilized. And now we're back to paying off student loans.
2: But in terms of like how we approach debt payoff and investing, we kind of have the mindset like we view it all as investing. Yeah. Like even if we're paying off debt, we're like investing in ourselves and we're putting ourselves in a better position um, versus real estate investing. But we've kind of been doing this cool cycling approach where we divide the year into quarters, and each quarter like we have our own goals. So like for quarter one, like it's like we want to be really heavy on student loan payments and pay like several thousand each month, and like be. Very very aggressive with that. Um, And then once we get to like our desired goal of how much we wanted to pay, Oh, we want to buy a rental property at the end of the year. Let's ship that. And now our extra surplus money is being allocated towards saving up towards that property. Um, So it's very like short-term sprints that we do, which I feel like is sustainable for us too, because like we have a goal we reach it. Okay. Move on next goal. So you're wearing a lot of hats at once and it's not always easy, but it's, it's been working for us for now.
1: Yep. it's very cool that's I very that. cool I, I i never thought of it like that because what i what like personally I, i'm not gonna speak for rye but what i do is i have a certain amount of money that i put towards well i don't even count 401k like it's just yeah. it, i don't even see it right so 401k a certain amount of money that i invest into the, into the market and then everything else that i don't save besides my emergency fund is going into real estate because we're, yeah. we're like we love real estate so but i don't have like the three month thing so i think that's um that's pretty cool. I think it's going to be hard
0: for you guys when, when you pay this, this is funny to even say this, this way, but like when you pay off the debt and you have all this extra cash coming and you're like, holy shit, like, what do we do with this? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like we have so many opportunities because you don't have the other bills to worry about. Like hundred percent. I, I think about paying up. I, I you know, increased my, my car payment just so I could, I shimmed it up by six months and I can just yeah. be done with it. Cause I don't want to think about it again, but I'm in the hole too much on it. where it's like, I can't sell it now. Do the scotch trench thing. Like it's right. he and I did the same thing with like, you, bu- you bought it new and you're too far in where it'd be, it, it's not smart to sell it at this point. So I'm like, all right, well, that, that's a loss. I'll teach my kid not to do that. But, um, it's funny how everyone has a different approach to it, but yours is awesome. And I just think it, it opens up so many doors for you. Now we can jump into the investing side. It's like you're going to have all this surplus cash. Yeah. What do you want to do with it? And then where does, where do index funds fall? in your yes. uh, whole?
3: Hi. So our, our big thing is like, so like we want to buy more income with it. So, um, so like we're, we started the year off, like Ali was saying, Q1 was like heavy debt paid off. We paid like 13,500, um, at the start of this year. So 2021, um, but now, um, and that's hard too, right? Cause like in the, you know, previously like 2019, i think um i think we're both at like 4.7 percent interest rate which is like kind of like that gray area and you're like well could you do better in the market definitely do better in real estate but probably could do better in the market now that it's at zero percent and interest rates are still kind of low they're starting to creep up um now we're just stashing cash again and probably like start or the end of the second quarter start of the third quarter um we'll probably buy our third um probably we really like duplexes there's a lot around here so we'll probably buy another duplex um that'll give us all the cash flow that we need from rentals to to pay our bills um and then after that like it's just like index funds and paying off student loans and then once student loans are gone um and we have the cash flow from our rentals to pay our bills then you know By next Island? year Yeah. Well, next year we're definitely going to
2: feel like we have so much money. Like I know that we make okay. sal like good salaries now, but I don't feel it. Like we don't have, we don't have any lifestyle inflation. Like I joke. I'm like, I still feel like a college. Well, I mean, there's there's
1: the the quote, (laughs) like, you know, um, make 80,000, live off 40,000, make 120,000, live off 40,000, make 160, live off 40. And then, okay, you make 250. You want to live off a hundred. Like then you can kind of say, well, I've already have this muscle that's working. I've been working out. I've been trying to get this going. So it becomes easier to when you are making way more money, you have all this rental income coming in to say, I'll double my lifestyle now. And I'll still be only half of what I, what I bring in. Literally
3: our plan. Yeah, there
2: you go. I
1: I just made that up right now, but I'm like, that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah.
2: Like our goal in like 2022, we'd like to get like a very modest single family home, like nothing crazy. And I'm like, I'm going to feel so rich, like not living in an apartment anymore. Like it's (laughs) going to be crazy. And I'm like, like, (laughs) that's really not this wild dream. But for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to have a house.
3: But I would say, but the thing is, is like, so we started here as far as like lifestyle costs. So it's almost like we kind of had to like strip it down and like weed out and then like really get very clear about like, what do we value most? And then those things that we value most, we've been like trickling back into our lives. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so and like next year, I think it'll be like a really nice home and I'm super excited because I know the metrics on it and I'm like, we're going to have, it's like monopoly. Like we'll have the little red houses or whatever over here, and then we'll move into the nice, you know, starter home. But these rentals will pay for that, which is like still kind of like house hacking Cause like our housing payment will be net zero. Um, so we'll still have this very large gap. So we might buy more real estate. We don't really want like a huge portfolio. Cause like, it's kind of passive but it's like i it's love what passive. you you guys like do long distance which i dig um we're, we're kind of chickens with that kind of stuff so yeah, we just
2: haven't gotten there we're yeah, you know, growing locally we'll see yeah
3: so uh, you yeah, gotta build the team it's not yeah. passive
1: unless you really really build the team and even then you you like we're we're digging the holes now like yeah. we're laying the groundwork right it will definitely the good thing about it is it does become more passive like yeah. as you move on as you put the systems in so you're mm-hmm. totally right on that but um, let's talk about the index funds. Like, do you, maybe there's some that you specifically recommend or, and also, I'm just really curious on how much of that bucket that you take in, and put into it.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, right now it's like, it's only like 500 bucks a month. It's really not okay. that much. Cause well, most, I mean, you know, like, we have like a really large sum of money every month. And most of that is just, it was going to student loans. It was like 4,000, $5,000 a month for student loans. Um, but now, now that we kind of like turn that spigot off, if you will, now we're just shoveling that into, uh, our next deal fund if you will um so you know index funds um we're pretty basic if you guys know um jl collins from the simple path to wealth um he recommends vtsax yeah. um, which is really just like you become a shareholder in the entire united states economy um and so that's that's a bulk of our holdings we don't really do like individual stock picking statistics say that's like a losing game we are. We like to do things that have humongously long track records of success and building wealth. So we just buy very boring index funds that are more than likely outperform like 90% of active traders. And then we buy like really basic duplexes that like meet certain metrics, but like nothing crazy or exotic. Um, And then the thing is, is just funnel money into them consistently.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Is it monthly
1: that you're putting money in monthly into, into the index funds? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So and those, for and right. for
2: now, with like how much we invest to the index funds, like it is so low. And again, that's the importance of like staying flexible where we are. You yeah. know, so like. Obviously, once those loans are paid off, once we get to a point in our portfolio where we're more comfortable with that, I think our allocation is going to shift. You know, oh, we're going to be investing a lot more into the index funds and growing that. Um, so again, like kind of how like we cycle through things like quarter one, quarter two, quarter three. It's like year one, year two, year three, and like we have these longer term goals. So. Yeah. Um, you know, down the road, I know that we do have certain like monetary goal numbers of like what our targets are for investing in index funds and what we'd like to see in our accounts.
3: Right now, we're definitely prioritizing real estate just because we get way better returns. Mm -hmm. Um, uh and we are right now we need cash flow yeah. um you know index funds are super passive um but they're not entirely like cash flow heavy they're more so oriented towards appreciation um so once our cash flow is in a situation that where it's paying all or most of our bills that checks that box um and then from there we're just like dumping and our student loans are gone and yeah, we're just dumping a lot of money into the market
0: so your index funds um do you have that the 500 you put in a month is that through a Roth IRA or do you do it through a, a traditional brokerage account?
3: Yeah, it's an awesome question. So, I, I have a Roth IRA in my name. Allie has a pension to her job. Um, so I actually don't really know how that pension fund is set up, but for my Roth, it's just um, uh, let's VTI, which is the exchange traded fund version of VTSAX. Um, And then uh, I actually have a taxable brokerage too. um, And that taxable brokerage is pretty much just VTI as well. It's just broad-based index funds. Um, And, you know, like the Roth IRA, I mean, it's great, especially for people who are like thinking like traditional retirement. But right now from like buckets, we're filling up real estate, we're filling up taxable brokerages. And then once those are filled up, because I mean, if we... You know, if we had our goal, like we're, you know, we're, you know, semi-retired by like 33 and 34, um, we're going to need the passive income um, that you wouldn't necessarily get from like a traditional retirement account. Um, so once we have all those filled up, then money is just, you know, flowing into the taxable bro- or I'm sorry, the Roth IRA, but it's got like a $6,000 a year cap and right. we would we want to invest a lot more than 6000 a year.
0: Cool. And then one last thing. So we always talk about, um, having a little nest egg, essentially like uh, specifically, I like to have six months to to a year of just good and bad, right? People debate that all the time. Oh, you have a year's worth of, of salary or or of, um, of your bills, expenses, sorry. In a, in account, just sitting there, not investing. I'm like, well, I just need peace of mind to, to know I'm safe for a year. Do you guys have a number on that, that you do for a specific, maybe amount of months or, or an actual dollar amount?
3: Yeah. So, um, so right now we, we probably carry maybe like a two month emergency fund and a lot of that is because, so like our income is three and a half times our monthly expenses. So like, and it's, it's three and a half times our monthly expenses and it's now pretty battle tested. Like, yeah, something could happen like a pandemic and that could kind of stress test. uh, Yeah. Um, So, but that, the fact that there's that 70% savings rate is inherently kind of like an economic moat, you know, that gives us a big hedge of like, if something happens, like we're probably going to be okay. I
2: think it allows us to carry a smaller emergency fund. So then we can delegate money into other areas. So we have a personal emergency fund as well as a rental emergency fund. And we keep those numbers relatively low because our gap is so wide so like last month we had a five thousand dollar unexpected chimney repair we're just gonna reallocate our money for that month and it's gonna be fine you know and like
3: us like two and a half years ago if like there was a five thousand emergency like we're in trouble and now it's like it sucked but we're like okay like Mm -hmm. just pause and shift money over and then Get back on
2: track.
1: Right. It's so funny that you say that because I felt the shift in my life too as I start to buy real estate and bring in cash flow for myself. Yeah. And Ryan and I talk about like how we're we're gonna close in a deal in, in May and how much money that we're gonna have left over. And we we looked at it and we're like, you know, we'll have an X amount for each property. And then I yeah. thought about it. And I'm like, well, in one month or two months, it'll be 50% more just yeah. based on like the income from W Two jobs, the cash flow from our portfolio like this game's getting easier. Like yeah. after you get out of the, out of the mud, like it gets yeah. easier. So it's right. just like the amount of money
0: we start talking about now too, it was unfathomable. A couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> We're throwing around like at 50 k, K. I might be, you know, 60 K on the, on the renovation there. And I'm like, dude, $60,000, like five <laughs> years ago, I'd be like ah, I, you can't even touch that. So just, if you set yourself up the right way, it's yeah. you just get into the game. I just tell people get into the game, yeah. study. And then once you have your first deal or, you know, like you're, You've done enough research, and you, and you get in, then you can start playing, and these numbers don't seem as daunting because you see other people do it, and they're you're the same age.
3: Yeah, if you guys have a chance, uh, so Dion McNeely just did like an awesome episode over on the Bigger Pockets one, and he, what he calls like a lot of times people talk about like the debt snowball. But a lot of times people don't necessarily talk about the income snowball. And it really does like start off pretty slow. You're like making whatever cash flow, maybe it's very minimum, but steadily like that cash flow like starts to build up. And then your savings account starts to build up and your your our jobs start to build up. And it's like what starts off is like kind of slow. You're not seeing anything. Right. If anything, you're losing money, maybe because you're like, have bills or whatever. Like it really starts picking up, especially when you start accumulating more properties our jobs started getting better. You start lose online businesses. You feel confident that like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if it works, that's another stream of income. And those incomes start compounding.
1: It's really cool because real estate too. And that's what I want to get talking, talk about next with you guys. Real estate, not only does it compound, but Brandon Turner said like they're like little oil wells, right? So 100%. in three years from now, rent's going to continue to go up and I have a fixed rate mortgage. And it's like, so not only do you buy, keep buying more, do you create more income for yourself, but each one individually gains over time. So it's like, it's like literally a cheat code. Once you understand how to run the numbers and how to buy deals, which is one I want to talk to you guys about. And like your primary investing strategy is house hacking, right? So far. And that's, so your current portfolio is three properties or two.
3: Two, two and properties. they're both duplexes.
1: Both duplexes. You lived in the first one, moved out. Yeah. Now you live in the other one. Um, what are your type? What do you metri- What metrics do you look for when you are running these numbers to try to figure out whether or not it's a good house hack and just a good investment overall?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, our big thing is before we even get into like the, 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 the metrics of it, and this is where like Ali's way better than I am is, is more so like that gut feeling. Like if I wouldn't go to a house at nine o'clock I'm probably not going to buy in that neighborhood. And if you buy in a decent neighborhood, if that gives you that feeling of like, this is a cool spot, tenants are going to feel the same way. So it's as old as time, but like location above all else,
2: especially with house hacking, right? You want to feel safe. When we first started looking at properties, Josh was bringing me to <laughs> houses where there were literal murders yeah. on that street, and this was like right before our wedding. And I'm like, why am I marrying this person? Yeah. Like he is crazy. <laughs> like
3: he's gonna murder me. Literally. Like like
2: he like I, like I'm gonna die. I can't be a landlord. And Lord. I had so, like um, I had
3: like the Excel sheets. So he's I was like, literally
2: yeah. the numbers are so good. <laughs> um, so no, it's <laughs> a
0: war zone. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) we've
1: been in those areas in different cities and like i think every investor has a different threshold of where they would and wouldn't buy and some people make a killing in those areas and not a killing as in like actually getting killed (laughs) they make a lot of money money in those areas but our risk tolerance is like no i don't care if a cash flow is 13 14 1500 a month Right. we're not dealing with the tenants we're not dealing with the inherent risk that comes along with yep. a, a property that's probably not going to appreciate that much we love the mix so if you don't want to go into your own property it's kind of a yeah. problem we yeah, right. it's funny because we started buying properties like maybe just below the areas that we would potentially live in like yep. like we could live in them if we had to but now we're starting to buy in areas that we would live in and what right. we're seeing is that the cash flow adopts, drip, dip the cash flow dips a little bit, but the opportunity for appreciation and forced appreciation is just like wow, you're going to create ma- massive equity. I
0: do want to make a point there. People do make an absolute killing off those, they do. I'm property. not saying not to do yeah. it, it's <laughs> not for us. It just isn't, our, we don't have that. Um, I, I don't know, I guess we're the balls,
1: <laughs> <laughs> our skin's not that thick. Yeah, yeah. it's just like just how it is so
2: well that's the thing it's like know who you are and know your temperament because josh was so stuck in the excel sheet and then we go on a house showing and this big guy opens the door for a showing and he slams the door in our face and our realtor was like oh so you're going to collect rent from him every month that's going to go well and it's like investing in real estate is not easy right like there are challenges and and, and you get stronger and it's amazing but like it's not easy so what is your heart is your hard like something breaks, I need to fix it. Or like my tenants are giving me a heck of a time. Some people are cut out for it. Like we are investing where we're living. So Mm -hmm. we want to be comfortable. So number one metric for us that we always consider first location. You can't change the location. So if it's a bad location, I don't care how amazing the property is. So that's the first thing we look for.
3: And then from there, um, price to rent is like a really, really big ratio. And like, you'll hear people talk about like the 1% rule. So in New York, we have like notoriously high taxes. Mm. If we only use 1%, we're probably cash flow negative or maybe at best neutral. So um, we do like to find something that has something like a 1.3 to 1.5% rent to price ratio which is getting harder because prices are going up. Um, but we're still hitting those metrics, which is pretty cool. Um, we do like to see uh, like $250, $300 a month cash flow after all operating expenses. Um, you know, and so we actually made a whole like post or whatever you would call it about this. So like uh, we only use like the house act right now we use three and a half percent down FHA. We walked away with 17% equity. Like we like equity. We just don't want to buy it. So we, we look for deals that we can find hidden value in, we can force appreciation to. Um, so that, that's a really key metric for us because we don't want to be over leveraged, especially when you start getting into like, you know, top of markets. Um, so we do look for that 20% equity. We just hustle for, as opposed to putting out cash.
0: I know it's pretty elementary, but can you talk about the rent to price ratio? Like just if someone doesn't know what that is.
3: Yeah, no, great question. So for instance, um, our first property, we bought for 155 and it rents for uh, 2,275. So I think it's like a 1.47% price. So it'd be 2275. Sounds about right though. Uh yeah, well, I, I like had it memory. Of One point four six seven. Literally perfect. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So so and we and we like that because honestly, and and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a bell curve. If you go too far and you start hitting that like two to three percent, like. That's probably not a great area, um, but if you're sub one percent, like those numbers can get pretty skinny real quick, especially if you have high taxes. So we like to try to aim for that like one to one point three to one point five percent rent to price rent to price ratio. And we don't always buy them like that. Like the first property, like Ali was saying, like we bought it and it was very much under market, and we like that because we know we can we can work on that. Like that's a problem we can easily solve with time. Um, But yeah, that's, that's rent to price ratio.
0: Cool. What are your favorite ways to force appreciation? I know you touched on that. And like, we, we asked a few, a couple um, in our last episode, you know, there are like three main buckets that they, they like to drive home and just kind of increase the overall um, appreciation. So what do you guys use?
2: We haven't done anything super crazy in terms of renovations, but really we're finding properties that need some extra TLC. You know, there's a lot of older homes in our area. So we're not buying like down to the studs, full gut rehabs um, but we're buying properties where, you know, with this one, we did a kitchen remodel. We did all new windows. uh, We did new flooring. So some projects we can do ourselves. Sometimes we hire them out um, but really just doing those value add things that we know will add that value back into the property.
3: And there's there's certain amenities too like our market we know tenants really like. So like every property we buy has off street parking. Mm-hmm. Every property we buy, each unit has yeah. its own in unit uh, washer and dryer. Um
2: if it doesn't we put it in. Yeah. Um dishwasher. Dishwasher. If they didn't have it, we added one. So yeah. just like those nice amenities that tenants like. Um
3: you know and then yeah, rent bumps too. So like a lot of times if we buy a property that's, you know, a little bit old, a little Bit tired and the rents are a little bit low which right now there's a ton of landlords who have owned properties for a really long time they haven't had to touch the rent in like 10 years because they're making hand over fist we're like all right like those are problems we can solve
1: right, right. It literally just happened to us yeah we had, a, we had a um i we we love this tenant by the way she's awesome but she's uh, she's section eight she's she gets housing uh yeah. authority and yeah. assistance and she hasn't had her rent raised in eight years, and she knows it's coming. In fact, yeah. we sent her like a forty percent increase. She was like, "I know it," but the thing is, is we can only do it through the housing authority, like three percent a year. Yep. So Ryan and I the other day were like, "Dude, this guy just like he's got a good tenant. Don't get me wrong. Like, you don't want to mess it up, but I'm like, <laughs> it's four hundred dollars under market value, and like we can only raise it three percent a year, so it's just like very
0: we had and- to abide by the laws, which was it was interesting. Like we we went and walked in the paper the the notice of rent increase she's like oh i knew this was coming no problem yeah. signed it but then you know you bring it back to the the housing authority and they're like they just we have some issues with them but uh they just like slap it nope not accepted gets, like, on the stamped
1: paper. mailed so out so we call
0: them we're like what's the deal like how, how wow. come they're like uh you know it just it's too, you're making it too difficult for them to live and we're like she signed the paper she said it was cool <laughs> and and then basically we had to go back and forth with them and all they had to tell us was we'll only approve it if you if you bump it to 3%. We've been talking to them for 6 months. And we could have saved a bunch of paperwork if they just told us. we wouldn't even try to bump Dude. it to $400. If they just told us, it could be only 28 bucks. We're yeah. like, all right, well, we'll just do the 28 bucks. Like we want to work through it. Cause we love this tenant. She's awesome. She's, we
3: want her. She wants to stay here forever. She told
0: us she would literally stay forever. Like it's yep. her home. So that's, those are the tenants you want. And we don't, right. we don't want to kick her out. So
3: see. And what's, what's really, that's like a perfect example. Like think about like your jobs or our jobs. Like we'd have to work really hard and like, we'd have to do a lot to make more income. Namely, we'd have to like spend more of our time. With real estate, like you control your income. And here it's like you guys, whatever the percentage breaks down to get you to market, and you're in my mind, at least when I hear on that, I'm like, you guys are, you guys have like cash in the bank. You just can't tap into it yet. And every single year you're going to be able to give yourself a pay bump, a 3% pay bump. Mm-hmm. And that's if she, if she doesn't move, if she moves and like, you can just like, boop, go straight to the top. Mm-hmm. So like you guys have like a pool of money and right. every year 3% more, 3% more, your income is going to go up.
1: It's a very interesting way to put it. And I, I agree. It's like, and if you do that over a scale of 12, 15, 18, 20 properties, it's like you're, you're crushing inflation. You're just, so, so yeah, that's uh, that's really cool.
3: And what's cool is that that payment doesn't change.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, that it, is cool. Unless it's more. Oh, our payment. Yeah, sorry. The mortgage. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. Um. Oh my God. That's why you get, that's why you buy early. Don't even get us started on that. We, yeah, we love that. <laughs> you're
1: about to get us going. going. I know. I, know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to lose my train of thought. You said rent bump. So do you have a, a, a strategic, strategic plan that you're going to raise it every year X percent and do your tenants maybe know this? I know you guys are a little early on in the stage of this, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a cool thought to like strategize.
2: So it's funny you say that because um, you know, when we first moved into our house, the apartment was well, well below market, but he was a great guy, he had two jobs, you never heard him. Um, He was a really nice tenant and he'd been there for five years. So we were like, we're new landlords, we're not rocking the boat, we're just gonna keep him. Um, And honestly, we probably would not have raised rent if he hadn't had opted to move out. He Mm -hmm. just moved, he got married, he wanted to move out. So right now, like we have folks above us, Um, they've been here for a year. It's under market. But again, like, they're great tenants. We're not going to raise rent. So really, um, I think for us, I'd rather have like quality people that aren't giving us tons of headaches, and we get along with them well. And um, you know, if they want to be in our homes, that's amazing. But when they choose to pass on, then we'll raise rent. But again, we're still new at it. If we, you know, we're doing this for a while, and an apartment is at a certain amount, then we'd probably want to systematize what yeah. we're doing in terms Josh of. Joshua, dissect this
0: thing. I yeah, know. Well, I see nah. him chugging
2: along <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> like we,
3: we never buy anything $400 below market. Right. Like, like we, our max was, we were probably like 175 below market on that first property. But I think like sometimes like a hidden cost of real estate is vacancy and people will grossly underestimate the cost of turnover. So for right now, like as two busy people, um, you know, we are like super happy to get you know, have a buffer. Yeah. We could probably bump it up a hundred bucks or whatever. And maybe they don't move, maybe they do move, but it's also like, I mean, we could either bump that rent and, you know, kind of risk it or whatever, or it's like, we, there's a lot of other levers we can do right. to make up that money elsewhere. Um, you know, and then once we kind of build those little oil wells, if you will, and we bump that rent even better. Right. So, um, yeah, but we, we like to have like a little hedge especially if you know markets get choppy
1: absolutely how are you currently finding these deals uh, i think that's um now you only have a couple but this is a uh, your story is like a simple path to wealth really like yeah. it's just like consistently maybe not every month but you're consistently going to be purchasing i don't know if there's yeah. a number that you want to get to but how you how do you find these uh the deals that at, that you buy
2: so we invest locally and um josh is probably the most outgoing person that i know and he loves networking. why
1: you married him we yeah, right. it, yeah, yeah it is because
2: i'm definitely more of the introvert in the relationship i'm an Extroverted introvert, um, but Josh is an extroverted extrovert. So Josh is literally networking with everyone. He's on the social media groups. He's getting coffee with local realtors. He is, you know, talking to investors. He's cold calling people on Facebook Marketplace. So, like, if there is someone that is like responsible for our steady off-market deal flow, it's 100% Josh. Yeah. And,
3: and and that's the thing too, right? So we, so far we've only bought off-market deals. We'll probably continue to buy off-market deals just because we are not, we're not like the sexiest buyers. We're not the all cash, you know, 50,000 over asking waving contingencies. No, we're like, we were the FHA
2: with concessions. with
3: concessions, with inspection, the whole nine. Right. And we still closed the deal, but because we just, instead of fishing where everyone else is fishing, we just create, we're our only competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's how we find, but a lot of it, yeah, is just networking constantly um, and just putting ourselves out there and letting the world know what we're looking for and who we are. So
0: I'll say, and you, you do know this very well, like real estate's a relationship game we've had. Yeah plenty of deals been brought to us just by on Instagram and mm-hmm. um, family, friends, mentors, et cetera. Like our n- next two deals yeah. the one we close on and the one, or sorry, the one we're under contract for, and then one we potentially have later in the summer off market deal. Yeah. And it's amazing because people are like, I can't get into real estate. I, I, these deals aren't out there. Every single person I've talked to has at least one of these deals. Yep. And it just proves that they're out there. You just have to put yourself, you have to put yourself out there, Josh. I, Corey and I were wondering who the brains behind, not the brains behind it, but we consistently see (laughs) your Instagram handle everywhere. You're commenting on everything (laughs) you've, you've established an awesome brand. Both of you have established an awesome brand for yourself, but I'd like you to dive the audience into that. you're at the five couple on Instagram, and I believe almost everywhere else, can you talk about the inception of the Instagram, why you created it? And then we'll kind of go down the rabbit hole of like how you've grown it to great heights.
2: See? So, um, As we've talked about our why, and it is literally just more time together, right? So for years, it was like, wouldn't it be cool if one of us got a job at the other person's employer so we could like work together? Um, But it was always someone else in charge of that, right? Like he'd have to get a master's degree to work at my school or whatever that was. Um, During the pandemic, Josh, you know, Josh is a super like personal finance, like enthusiast times a million. So Josh is like, I want to start doing like money coaching. Like I want to start, you know, whatever. And I was like, we should do it together. Like imagine like a couple doing like coaching together. And he literally mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, You've nah. Never, <laughs> he literally, <laughs> nah, he was like, Ali, like, you don't really care about the numbers. Yeah. Like, why would you be involved in this? Like, he totally yeah, like, trashed yeah. my idea. He, he's like, have you ever heard of two people coaching? Like, that is ridiculous. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so yeah. I like, you know, like cried myself to sleep. I'm like, it is what it is. It's fine. not going to yeah. happen. It, it Whatever. So, you know, like, I don't think your money coaching really was very successful not at all. At all.
3: Um, <laughs> I was just another dude talking finance. Yeah,
2: so whatever. So, um you know, in the fall, And this is so funny. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, we should make a real estate personal finance Instagram. That's yeah. embarrassing, but that's literally what happened. And I woke him up at like three in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Josh, we need to do this and we can do mentoring and do all this stuff. And I don't know how I got your buy-in. How did, did I kind it was of- 3 believe? a.m. He's like, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, like I literally was like obsessed <laughs> with it. And I'm like, yeah. we're going to do this. And this is like, I was, I was super excited about it. Well,
3: and like she said, like we'd always wanted our thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, all right, cool. Like let's run with that um and we we you know we played around with a bunch of names or whatever and i don't know how we i I think i came up with the five couple but we we tried out a bunch and and really so like there's that there's a famous quote like be the change you want to see in the world we didn't feel like especially like i mean i consume an ungodly amount of like personal finance but i was like I'm not seeing a ton of people who we can relate to. Like I'm not hearing our story necessarily, and I consume a lot
2: of like you don't really make really high salaries. You have a lot of debt. You have really no experience in this, and you're trying to figure it out. So, so like,
3: like a normal
0: person actually like every actually yeah, right, like every right. Actu-
2: right, yeah. right. So for us, it was like, if it's possible for us, we want to share that with people that it is possible for you too. And it's possible for totally normal, like regular people that aren't coming from real estate backgrounds. Like you can do it too. So the intention was like, let's share this. I somehow got your buy-in, but once I got your buy-in, he was like, Hooked. Holy shit, this is really yeah. cool. Um, so it just, it evolved so quickly. I mean, we made the Instagram in November yep. and here we are at the end of March and, um, just really, really cool. How you fast might be it's
1: at, grown. You're, you're just about 10 K <laughs> by the time this episode airs. So yeah,
3: no, I'll it's, check. yeah, it's, it's been a whirlwind and, um, it's honestly, it's like super fun and like, Full disclosure, like I, as I said, I've like been a huge fan, as you guys know, of like your guys' show for a long time, and so if it was instead of just me on like my personal page, like commenting on stuff, it was cool to have like a different page by which I can go on your page and comment again. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> comment on your own comment. Yeah. Answering your own question.
3: comments. <laughs> um, no,
1: but That's really funny that you say that. Cause it, when you started following us in the beginning, I didn't have a, it wasn't synonymous with you and, and, and personal finance. Yeah. So I was like, this guy's really cool. He likes our stuff, but I don't have any way to associate myself yeah. with him. Right. And then when the five couple came out, I was like, right, I think this is our boy, Josh. I was like, yeah. oh, literally
0: what he said. Yeah. He was Boy, Josh. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> and
1: and like, you know i felt like oh okay he's in the space too and then yeah. you guys are just like boom taking this thing to the moon so we i mean by the way your engagement's awesome we th- and that was one of the things i was going to ask you about next is like how do you feel like you've built it to where it is now with no signs of slowing down in seven months or six months or whatever less Yeah. wait it- november yeah. For like five months. Five months. Yeah. Crazy.
2: It's definitely not an accident. I think so. Like yeah. I had this idea, like I want to create this Instagram page, but like, it's funny because neither of us are like super social media people. Like I'm not like posting all the time and stuff like that. So I don't know why I thought that I was I don't know. Like, a I've seen day.
1: those reels. Ooh. Pretty good.
2: You, <laughs> no, you, got but good it's funny.
0: you have a good system though. You must. It's
2: funny though. Like you should have seen us make our first reel because I was literally cringing. I'm like, this is so gross. This is not in my comfort zone right now. Like so uncomfortable. But again, like that fake it, until you become it. Like, so it's like, yeah, this is uncomfortable, but we're going to push through. Um, but, but with the social media, it is a full-time job, right? Because you are developing that brand identity and you're developing what is the message we want to share with others and how can we take really, um, easy to absorb sound bites and send them to you so that you understand the message we're trying to say. But for us, um, as is, Everything that we're doing, it's all about relationship building. So for us, it has been connecting with other pages that share a common theme and message and connecting with followers that resonate with that. Um, and Josh has done an amazing job at that.
3: So the scientists tell us. The thing is, too, is like so like I am like when you understand KPIs, like key performance indicators, whatever you walk into, you it's like you know a language what levers do i pull to elicit a response that i'm looking for and so what's crazy cool about like instagram is they're like here's your analytics and it shows you like everything and so at first it was just kind of like all right like let's try this and see what happens Mm -hmm. um and so like and i have a whole excel sheet i have two excel sheets that show me like all my kpis how are things responding? So on and so forth. So we like, were
2: kind of like sloppy in the beginning though. Yeah. Cause we didn't really know what we were doing, but then it's like, just like with your real estate stuff, like we yeah. moved in, we had a house, we didn't really have systems. Now it's like, you're running it like a business yep. and you're running it intentionally because this is a time suck. So it's wanting to make sure that you're being intentional with your time. Yep. You know, you by can the obviously way,
1: scroll. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're by way, it is a business. It will yeah. be, you yes. will. You will make money off Instagram. I promise okay. you. I, my sister is like an influencer and she, yeah. she makes money off Instagram, like, and other platforms too. But like you guys are growing your platform so fast that you'll, you'll have brand sponsored. There, there's things that will happen. So it will be a business. So you might as well treat it like that. Or even if you now. just get
0: thrown a couple of real estate deals and you find a partner, I know you potentially talk, I don't know where you met this guy that we can dive yeah. into that too later, but i want to talk about these levers that you're pulling and if you're willing to share i know you don't have to give all your secrets because i know people pay for this type of stuff but like to go from zero a following of zero to a community of just let's call it ten thousand people in five and a half five six months that's that's very quick coming from guys we've done it for a year we're about we're almost we're almost about halfway Yeah. yeah what levers are we not pulling that you're pulling i love that you do the data And you have Excel sheets, like you're treating it as an absolute business. And it's, it's cool that you're both bought into it too, which we are too. And we have three people actually running our page. So it's like, what can we be doing to kind of join forces here and, and make this thing push off?
3: Yeah. So one, like everything that you're describing as far as like generating revenue, um, like new collaborations we never otherwise could have dreamed of they are They're starting to happen already. And so like the five couple is, you know, now like a, it's a, now
2: an income stream. It's now yeah. an income
3: stream, um, which then so to like, I, and I, ha- I don't, because it's still so new, like I don't factor that into our savings rate, but if I did factor that savings rate, like the number is even higher. 71.8%. Um, <laughs> right. But it's, it's, it's another oil well, you know, um, I would say like the, the biggest things are the, often like the simplest things is engagement. So you guys see it all the time, right? I, we, but pretty much between, you know, full disclosure between the hours of like 8am and two thirty PM, A lot of it's me.
2: I don't get cell reception at my job. So I literally (laughs) can't be on the five couple while I'm at work. Um, (laughs) After work,
3: anything visual that you see, this one is like a mastermind. So
2: like we balance each other. So Josh, right. So you have these accounts that resonate with your message. It's not random. It's not accidental. We find accounts that resonate with our message and you set up an alert so that anytime they make a new post, you get it. So Josh is then getting that alert on his phone. He's quickly logging in. He is the first. First comment on that post sharing a value add comment not just like cool meme like that's awesome um he's adding value and he's sharing a little tidbit about us like my wife and i had a hundred thousand dollars in debt we're using real estate to pursue financial freedom because then that quality post you are adding value to someone else's page i think so often on instagram like we'll see a lot of messages or something like, Hey, can you like promote me? Or can you do this? But like, I've never talked to that person before. So it's all about that relationship building. Like Josh is now adding value to another accounts page. So you are now building a relationship with them. And then you can work through that together by maybe they would give us a shout out or something like that to help create organic growth. It's intentional, but it's organic, right?
3: Like verbatim. That is it. So like, it's like you go, I go on, we go on pages and whatever their message is, we try to first and foremost, thank them. Cause we, we know like the behind the scenes time it takes to like create that, thank them comment and then show them how, what, whatever it is that they shared, how it like relates to our life or how we've implemented something similar. And we do that every single day, many, many, many times a day. And so by doing so, and people see it, you guys see it, we see it. Um, oh, we we, yeah, we we've been able to have some really cool collaborations, and like we weren't just like showing up and saying like, "Hey, would you guys ever want to collaborate?" It was like, "Hey, Josh," or "Hey, Josh and Allie Um, yeah, we see you guys every single day. We really appreciate all your support. And obviously we'd love to, um, find ways to collaborate.
2: So another thing that I think that has helped us with our growth is, um, you know, putting ourselves out there, like Josh is saying, but like going on podcasts and like, we've had different podcasts, like, can you write a blog for us? And we'll do that. And I think just like the exposure within itself, it helps promote you to a wider audience. And then lastly, and this is something that I don't feel like I hear pages talk about a lot, because I think there's some negative stigma or taboo with it, but you know, there is the ability to do like a a paid promotion with Mm -hmm. a page that resonates with you. And I think people don't talk about it, but I want to talk about it because if you had a business, you would pay for marketing, right? So like, you would pay for business cards or a billboard or an article in a newspaper i'm thinking really outdated but like like
3: tv radio if you
2: had a business you would do advertising so we again we're viewing this as a business we're viewing this as an income stream we want to grow so how would you get your message out there it's not just it's going to happen through the engagement but it's also going to happen by potentially paying for different promotions so that more people can see your message and then if your message resonates with them they're gonna follow
3: you and what's great is like i mean it's literally just like an investment i mean now like we have the kpis if we can invest x amount and in a, as a byproduct of that, there's now revenue that comes from that.
2: I think there's a stigma with it because I think people correlate like paid promotion yeah. to paying for followers, no. but they're right. very different things, right. you know? And I think that's yeah. important to differentiate.
3: Because people, I mean, if you don't add value, like one, people aren't, because they're sharing your business on their page, right? right? So if you don't add value, they're going to be like, mm, you know, no, nope. <laughs> we're not going to promote that. Um, and then when people do come to your page, you want to make sure that they come and they they were able to connect with
0: you. I think those are very important messages because, and we've battled this back and forth of like, do you pay to promote a, a post, right? And like, I don't know if that's directly what you're talking about or if you're speaking to DMing someone and saying, hey, can we do a collab? And like you pay to have your, one of your posts on their page or something like mm-hmm. that, which are both one and the same at this point. Whereas- yeah some people you're paying for friends, right? Like that's, that's that kind of, um, yeah. that mantra there that I think a lot of people can't get over. So we've, we've gone through this a bunch of times and like, we're trying to find that happy medium. Right. I, and you also mentioned Josh, that it's not just, you're not just on Instagram. I believe you're on like Facebook, a bunch of other places. Oh too. yeah. And like, yeah. so how did you create this thing? Like, I know you have this community, right. That's mm-hmm. now built. How now are you leveraging that or, or monetizing it? Like you said it is an income stream. Like what, where, and like, what's your plan? Yeah
3: hundred percent.
2: So it's been really cool um, because we are on different platforms, right? We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Our Facebook has like 300 followers. So it's not really, it's more for like our family to see it. (laughs) It doesn't have Instagram Um, and then Instagram. Um, But with the monetization, a big thing for us, right? Like um, we want to share this message that real estate investing and financial freedom is attainable to many. And a big reason why we wanted to start our page was because when we were first starting, we felt like we were on an Island. We had no friends that were doing this. We were the crazy friends. And the whole time we were like, I wish we just had someone to like hold our hand and be like, you're doing the right thing. Yes. Like someone to just like run things through. So through the five couple, we've been doing mentoring and we offer, you know, 60 minute video sessions. And we meet with people that are looking to pay down debt, looking to invest in real estate, all of these things. And we offer mentoring sessions to them and we weren't sure the response that we were going to get, but we have connected with the coolest people that I'm like, if I'm in your area, I want to grab a beer with you because you're so cool. So it's, it's been fun. Like I would do it for free, but we're getting paid to do it, you know? So that's really, really cool.
3: And what's cool too, guys, like, so like, you know, like the iceberg analogy, like the, you know, you see what you see is not the bulk of it. Right. So some of the some of the opportunities and relationships and, and different things that are popping up now in our lives. Like we, I have been the fangirl for years um, on all different types of pages and stuff like that. And, and genuinely like really grateful. Like that's how, that's a big reason why we are, where we are today because I was learning and I was posting in the forums and all kinds of stuff and connecting with people. And so now like that's a lot of that's kind of now starting to manifest today but a lot of the stuff that we're able to do is relationships and seeds that we planted, you know, two or three years ago.
2: But I think our plan is mentoring and then like some digital e-commerce and stuff. And I know we mentioned this before we started recording, but also just like your Instagram page immediately builds legitimacy oh, yeah. we have been doing this work for years but we have friends and family that like really didn't care and now they're like wow i see what you guys are doing i want to go in on deals with you um and these are people that knew what we were doing before but now that we're putting it so out there publicly it is like that i think lauren and kyle from um Rentals rental yeah, they're amazing. And I think Lauren said it is like a virtual resume and she is so right. It is literally your virtual resume because we're an open book. We show you our numbers, we talk about it, we'll answer any questions. We're very transparent people. And that is a way to like get to know someone in 3 seconds by scrolling on a page. So right. it's cool.
0: We talked to them about uh, private money lending in the deck that they put together. And they also include their Instagram now too, just so people can go like, okay, you have 25, a community of 25,000 followers just about, but they have bigger pockets videos that, that yeah, walk people through like super, super in, like intensive validation there for anyone. Like I would go in and deal with them. Right. Because like, or I'd feel confident doing it, going in yeah, and deal with them because I right. know their stuff and yeah. a lot of other people trust them too, clearly. So I like that. I never heard of it as a, a digital resume. I love that
3: yeah um, no and, and and now yeah opportunities like people are reaching out to us and they're like hey we see everything that you guys do and would you be interested in yeah, you know xyz cool. isn't
0: That's it cool. weird now one last thing before we, we get into the last segment of the show but it, it's weird now to be uh, we were once behind the scenes too and like we're studying all these guys like yeah. for us stealthy rich coach carson yeah those are our guys and like i remember being like a little like fanboy when we landed <laughs> stealthy rich on our show i'm like cory uh-huh we got stealthy on the show. Are you kidding? Me? it's amazing. And, he's yeah. like, Who the hell are and I'm like, and then he's like, dude, we got coach Carson. I'm like, wait, the guy we read his book. And he's yeah. like, yeah. And we just both lost our minds. Cause those were our two people. And then <laughs> as, as we talked about like one person, like six degrees of separation, yeah. someone knows another person. They're like, Hey, this, this show's great. Talk to these people. They know what they're talking about. Same mm-hmm. with you. Like you met Lauren and Kyle. I'm sure it, yeah. it jumped you on another page. And then just yeah. your message gets out there and it's really cool. when people come to you for advice now. And it's weird that, you have some sort of legitimacy because we've been through things where you almost feel like, like, what do I like that imposter syndrome? Like, well, what do I have to offer? You you actually have a lot. So I think this is just motivation for people that are listening. If you have an idea and you've thought about doing something, just do it, try it because we're perfect examples of people that just decided to take the plunge. It felt weird. Our first podcast was the, we're like, what are we even doing? I didn't want to share certain information. I'm like, Who cares? And the same way with you guys too. And I believe you said you were, you just, you had all this knowledge and and information that was just inside and you, you know, kind of built it into a business and it clearly has been working. So kudos to you both. Um,
3: and and I'll say this real quick. So like, sorry, like 90% of people won't, do what you guys are doing or have done or what we're doing that like people know, like I could, but ah, there's like on the, there's like that barrier of fear of what if and so on and so forth. So like there is such a small segment of people who, who make that leap. And, and then when you're on the other side of it, you're like, okay, like that wasn't so bad. And then you, you you get better and then you get better and better and better. So like there is a huge segment of people out there who are like, that close but they just need a little extra oomph um and we've had gosh i don't know how we've worked with people all over the country and they're like they were there and they just needed a little like Mm -hmm. you got this and now they're doing amazing things yeah
1: yeah that's great it's a great point the um actually second last segment of our show is called the core four yeah and uh we're gonna ask you four questions we ask all our guests the first question is what's your favorite business book or investing book maybe that helped you you know, get started in this game.
3: Uh, do you-
2: we like are obsessed with set for like yeah. Scott Trench. I think that was the first personal finance book that Josh was like, Ali, you need to read this. Um, so that's awesome.
3: I would say like another one too is Atomic Habits um, and Traction. So once we learn to stop treating whether it be rentals or um, social media as just like hobbies and more so business and understood levers and which ones. Elicited certain responses and which roles we were going to have. Um, that really helped us take off.
1: Great,
0: cool. Second question is: So far, what's been your biggest mistake along your journey, and mm-hmm. what have you learned from this mistake to capitalize? Hmm.
3: Like biggest mistake in real estate, or just like in general? That could a good be the question.
0: I, I mean, you guys are in. Let's just talk about investing in general. And like, you're, you can. I mean, if you want to go all the way back and do personal, like in your life, you can, but for us, I think it's, it's more to, to share with audience members that like, Hey, look, these guys went through something then they overcame it. And and I can do the same.
3: Yeah. Biggest mistake. Let's, let's stick with real estate.
2: Well, Oh, I wasn't going to, oh, what do you got? What do you got? Well, Just I, do
0: one. Each do one. Yeah, day, one day. yeah.
2: Like I was kind of thinking of this um, and I feel like I've mentioned this before, but like, I feel like you know, I'm 30, Josh is turning 31 in a couple of days. And I feel like for most of our twenties, we were not super intentional with our time, with our money. And we were just kind of like going through on the hamster wheel of life. And like, we had fun in our twenties, but, uh, we always talk about, like, I just, I wish we were more intentional. Um, I wish that we were more mindful of our spending. I wish we had started this sooner. We are where we are. And I have no regrets, but, um, I feel like a big mistake was just, you know, not being intentional. And then when we had this realization, there was so much fear of what if this doesn't work out? This is such a crazy leap. This is so different from the norm. Um, If I could tell myself something, it would be like, just do it. Like, don't, don't let that fear like prevent you from pursuing that.
3: And I I would say for me, like, I wasted a lot of money on cars, (laughs) uh, like a ton. And um, I grew up like really, really poor. So once I got that first like full-time job, I was like, well, what do you do now? You go buy out a brand new car. And that's what I would do. And then I'd be like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. And then I would like go out and get a less new car, but still a new car. And I would just roll negative equity into negative equity. And eventually I literally, how I found Dave Ramsey, the car dealership was like, we can't give you a loan because we just can't do this. And the car uh, finance guy was literally like, have you ever heard of Dave Ramsey? I was like, no. I I I didn't come here for a book. I just give me another car. (laughs) No. And he's like, I'm sorry, but
2: it's like, perfect. So a big thing of our story is like, you can make financial mistakes and you can still like find success. So we are definitely like, we we share all of our financial mistakes and there have been some. So yeah.
1: Great. The uh, third question of the core four is um, who's your who for 2021. And who meaning by meeting this person, you feel like your business or life can be propelled to the next level. And if you don't have an answer on maybe who you would want to meet, maybe somebody that you have met who changed your life in the past year or so or business.
2: That's good. Hold on. Let me think for a second.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say, um, like we've met some really cool people. It's, it's crazy that it's like March. This feels like it's been a year and three months right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say uh, the person that we're probably going to be doing um, like like partnering with, um, I think can have a really, really transformative effect, not just on our ability to invest more rapidly, uh, but there's someone who's incredibly, incredibly successful, has done it like the most boring way over the course of like 30 years and has like a really big portfolio with no debt against it. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'll teach you guys some stuff, and uh, so I'm really excited to to spend more time with that person.
2: I have a different answer. Um, my who is many people, and it's Instagram <laughs> because um, again, when we first started our investing journey, it was just Josh and I. We don't have a lot of friends in real life that are into this stuff, and I think that when you're in your own bubble and you don't have a community, you play it safe and you don't take risks, and you kind of like don't really level up and by creating the Instagram and connecting with investors all across the country, it has inherently forced us to level up in our actions and our mindset because we are just connecting with so many people that truly inspire us. And we're like, wow, they're doing it, we can do it too. Um, So like my who is definitely just like building that community and friends and people that get us on that level Um, and that, you know, I think that has totally transformed our mindset in many ways.
0: Those are both strong points. I think, uh, Allie to yours like Instagram and putting your message out there, it holds you not only to, to new heights, right. And it motivates you by seeing what other people do, but it holds you accountable Yeah, so because if you're talking the talk, you better walk the walk. Absolutely. Or who are you? Right. Like right. no one's going to pay for your, for your help nope. It's <laughs> Actually like out of their pocket. If you're really not doing it, right. it's, it's really cool that you're sharing your story. Also, I'll say, Josh, to your point, this potential this potential partner, I don't know if you inked the deal yet, but did you meet this person through networking on social media or it or just day to day life? Like, can you give a little background on it?
3: Yeah, so it's it's an older person, and I don't think they had social media. Uh, or it me-
2: was in person networking, like we yeah through a work connection. Yeah,
3: it was through in yeah, yeah. person. Um, and we had kind of heard about him and they said, Hey, maybe you should go talk to this person. And so that's what we did. And, uh, I was like, wow, like one day I'd like to be that person kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, I think, I mean, they were, I think they were like interested in learning more about us. And then once they created like their social media accounts and started learning more about us, they were like, yeah, we're, we'd, we'd be happy to work with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome. You covered both buckets. Like virtual and real life. I know it's so weird that we're saying real life, but like in person versus on a platform and (laughs) you're covering both bases, which is awesome. And clearly it's working out. So kudos there. Um, last question, the core four, and this can be for both of you or separate, however you want to take it, but what do you want your legacy to be?
2: So my legacy, and this has always been my legacy. Um, it's about relationships and the people that I love. Mm -hmm. So I have no aspirations to be like, a famous person or like super wealthy or like, you know, any of those things it's okay. If not tons of people know who I am. Um, it's just like the impact that I have on my husband, my future children, my family, my best friends. Um, so just having as much time with the people that I love.
3: Yeah. And I think for me, so like, um, like we don't really talk about this a whole lot, but I mean, we're very, very big into giving. It's like the second largest line item in our budget. And so Um, we, uh, as far as like a legacy, I would love to, um, have a very large impact. Um, not like a, in a front and center capacity. Um, but like one day I would love for us to have a foundation through which we could really impact the lives of many. Um, even if we're just kind of behind the scenes, because someone who came from nothing like myself, I know how impactful that was. Um, and I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't. So for us, a big thing is like being able to give abundantly, um, and help those who need it the most.
1: It's amazing. Really, really cool. Thank you for sharing. sharing. Yeah. The, um, the last segment of our show is called the last drop and the, you covered it a little bit, but knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to your younger self? If you you could go back and, and do things differently or maybe you wouldn't change anything.
3: Um, honestly, like cheesy husband cop-out, I would have listened to her a lot sooner. Um, you know, as far as a lot like of the those things, points, baby, brownie yeah. points.
2: No, like it is brownie points, but it's so accurate. There's been feel so like, many like, things like, that wrong. To be cocky, but I'm right, like consistently, yeah. like 98 of the time. <laughs> I is. am. I, I'll go on record and say it.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, great.
2: she's
3: she's like notoriously right, and I'm like, well, no, there has to be a better way, and then I like end up coming back. And I'm like, ah, yeah, you were right.
2: I'm one of those right people that will rub it in your face. She too, is. So. Yeah, she's a like, Yin and Yang that's, that's why you make a good team.
1: So it's, it's, yeah. it's excellent. But, um, yeah. we, I mean, we really appreciate you guys coming on. I think that your story is inspiring. And like you said, it's, it's a lot of people can follow it and mm-hmm. I think they do follow it. Right. Yeah. So thanks for sharing it. And we, we're, uh, we're thrilled to have you on. Yeah. We really appreciate
0: it. If people, I know we mentioned it before, but if people want to connect with you, Where can they find you on social media? Feel free to plug any brand uh, Mm -hmm. website, et cetera, because uh, we want people to hear more of your story.
2: Yeah, so um, the FI couple, F I couple, um, we are pretty much on almost every social media platform. So you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we do have a website, www.theficouple.com. Um, and yeah, you can connect with us on, we have a TikTok too. We do? I was going to say, it's really pitiful. We just use it to make so real. really old on TikTok. Oh it's my God. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. thanks
0: for sharing. It was a pleasure having you both on. I, I love the that just your partnership in general and like balance each other out. It's, it's working. So yeah, continue doing what you're doing. And um, for us, just thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It. No, it's yeah. an
3: honor. You guys have one of my hands down, one of my favorite shows. I love tuning in all the time. And it's just like, it's a full circle moment to be able to be a, a part of it. Yeah. That means a lot.
0: We appreciate it. Yeah, that really does mean a lot. We have our guy. We got our guy. Josh on <laughs> the show.
3: Let's go. <laughs>